Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to our episode today. We have got another riveting, thrilling episode of Shrink Think for you today. We're going to talk about head knowledge that doesn't necessarily connect with or agree with your heart. And we're going to call this episode, I know. So (laughs) that's it. Just, I know. You can say it lots of different ways. There are some reasons why we think you should listen to this, or if you're out there wondering like, what the heck is that all about? We were talking about this just before recording here, and we got a few reasons maybe you can relate to. Maybe you or someone you know, you think you get it, but you don't. Whatever the it is, whether it's like something major, some issue, maybe it's just even like life or relationships or whatever it is. It's like you think you get it or you think you should be getting it, but something in you knows that you don't. Or if it's somebody else, you're like, man, they just think they do, but they're just off and they just can't figure it out. Or maybe you think you should feel something at a certain time, but you just don't. You're like, wow. Somebody just told me that their mom has cancer and I knew I should be really sad, but I was like, oh, that's too bad. And I didn't really feel anything. Or maybe you on kind of on the other side, you're in a situation like doing nothing. You're at the library, you're just reading a book and somebody walks by and something happens or whatever. That's just minor. And all of a sudden you're just like filled with rage. You're like, whoa, why am I having these weird feelings at this random time? Maybe that's you. This episode is for you, if that's the case. Or lastly, um, this is kind of a more obvious one. Maybe you already know that you ignore yourself or that you've been ignored or neglected in some some capacity in your life. If you have that knowledge, uh, but you don't necessarily know, you know, any impacts of that or whatever, then this episode is for you. And we're hoping that in this episode, you'll learn why you have head knowledge that's not connected to your heart. We hope you'll learn that your self-importance, which I don't mean like your arrogance or like thinking more highly of yourself than you are, but just that that you are important and that this concept is more critical than you realized for your own emotional, mental well-being. And that self-importance gets you out of anxiety and depression, or it's, it's a major tool that can help get you out. And then we hope you'll also learn a better understanding of yourself and of your life experiences, which will be put into this context that you can understand and work through better. So our outline for today, we're going to talk about what is head knowledge or what does that mean? What does it mean to be connected or integrated with your heart? How and why this disconnection in the first place happens? And then how you can become settled inside yourself into a less anxious way of being. So let's get started and jump into the episode. As a therapist, a lot of times people will come in and I'll meet them for the first time. They'll sit down on the couch and they'll say, you know, I've got some anxiety or some depression and maybe it's been kind of low, moderate level. I don't really know what it's about or 
where it comes from. I don't really have any reason to believe anything major has happened. Maybe, you know, nothing terrible in my life has really happened. Never been in any car accidents. I was never bullied or, you know, anything like that. Family life growing up was pretty normal, pretty typical, whatever that is. Um, nothing, no abuse, no trauma, no, you know, we didn't move around all the time or um, nobody, you know, in the family had any major disabilities or whatever. Just kind of your sort of vanilla story, if you will. So why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I feeling this way? And I'll be talking, just getting to know them and some of their background stories. We'll talk about, you know, what was your family life like growing up? Were your parents there for you? Did they connect with you? And yeah, you know, came to all my sporting events. We hung out a lot, did all these things together, whatever. And at some point, inevitably in the conversation, we'll be talking about this and they'll say, yeah, I mean, but you know, my parents are great and I know they love me and uh, I just don't know where this came from. And I always stop at that because I'm listening to the actual words that people are saying and I'm like, wait, can you say that again? Like, uh, yeah, I, I know my parents love me and that's it right there. That's why we call this episode, I know, because when people are saying that, they're essentially saying, I know that they love me. And I'll usually ask, but did you feel loved? And that's kind of where this episode is going to go. Yeah, there's every one of you out there has experienced this kind of thing. The idea of like when you say like, well, I know. And then really behind it is kind of vacant. There's nothing there. I'll give, <laughs> give you a couple other stories in a, to hit this from a different direction. So when I was growing up, I had a next door neighbor. I would tell her something and she would go, I know. Like, I'm sitting there like, you can't possibly know. I, like, I just told you something that, like, I learned yesterday, and I'm awesome, you know, right? You can't know it. <laughs> Nathan knows everything. <laughs> yeah. There was a small part of my life where I actually did think I knew everything, so let's just ignore that. Okay, thank you. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. So, but no, as a kid, you've, you've been with those folks where you'll say something, oh, my daughter, Jiminy Christmas. She's <laughs> <laughs> My kids are the same. Tell them something. I know. I'm like, no, I just told you. You just learned this for the first time. How did you already know it? <laughs> yeah, like, you should put, you need to put that back. I I know. Um, okay. What's happening in that moment is this agreement to the rational reality that that needs to be, that that's a truth. It is true. It does need to happen. It makes sense. But saying I know is this idea of claiming it all the way into who you are. And we know, you know, as a parent, when you say that, and you're like, oh, no, that they are not claiming that. They were never going to do whatever it was that you were just told them. Now they are, <laughs> since you've said it. And they need you to know that they were always going to be doing it. By the way, directly linked to that was, I was just going to do that. <laughs> like, that's awesome. This might have literally just happened last night. It's like, were you going to get off screen time on your own? Or like, did it just somehow magically happen when I walked into the room? Yeah, that's so completely lame. So. That's kind of the other side of this. But when you're trying to figure out, there's a, a distinction between what we kind of understand, how we put information together, and how it links down into how we feel, which somewhere in there becomes who we are. So what's happening when, when you know something, but you don't know it, is that there's a disconnect between what you've agreed to that makes sense and how your heart and body line up to actually own it. So a lot of times what's happening as we grow up 
is we might not feel loved when someone, a parent says, I love you. We just don't feel it. But we're like, well, that makes sense. Oh, well, and then we get into those, well, you're supposed to say that, you know, that kind of thing. So what we want to talk about is kind of how to move in to the reality that you actually need to take some time and settle this with yourself. You can't just decide, it's not helpful for you anyway, to kind of just move through life. And what happens is, and half the reason why folks are in therapy is because that's what's going on. They're unsettled and they don't realize that they've just been moving through life for probably years, actually. And stuff kind of compiles. I will um, equate that to with your computer when you defragment your computer. Uh, It used to be that you'd have to do that intentionally. Now your computer will just do it for you. So some of you are like, what do you defrag? Like you millennials are like, yeah, that's like just sitting there. But you can actually search on your computer, hit defragmentation, and it'll analyze your whole hard drive and it'll show files that are like not in order, basically. And then you, you click defragmentation and then it organizes it. So in the same way in your brain, you kind of like have these files, so to speak, that are kind of all over the place. And they just are. And you don't really organize them. Because they're all just fine. But if you go through life long enough, that disorganization actually becomes anxiety provoking and or depressing. And so you come to see one of us. Um, you don't know why you're here. <laughs> you, know, you just know life sucks. Sometimes it, actually that's a struggle. People filling out. That's why we have these intake forms to fill out. It actually puts you through a process of trying to describe what actually is happening for you. And oftentimes it's not until people do that that they realize this might be a bigger deal than I thought. I'm checking off a lot of these boxes that come like, well, I'm not, I swear I'm not crazy or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's actually something that's been really helpful for me as I'm looking over the intake document with somebody and where they're telling me a bit about their story. I'm looking over everything and it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like nothing bad happened. Like nothing, your parents um, didn't argue in front of you. I mean, that's can be another one of those things is like you never really saw anything bad happen. You didn't really know how to deal with it. But nothing, you know, really horrible happened. And like everything on here is like, nope, don't check that. Don't check that. But I have these this anxiousness. I have this like kind of vague sense of hopelessness or meaninglessness. It doesn't even have to be like this massive weight. It can just be like an emptiness inside. And I think the other thing that can kind of an indication of that can be everyone does everything well. Everything does kind of the right things. It's sort of like, you know, my husband comes home and he buys me flowers and he washes the car and pays the bills. And like, why don't I feel loved? Why is there like not this connection sort of a thing? That's the kind of, you know, that's sort of like this classic story, you know, in in couples counseling where uh, the husband's buying the flowers and the chocolates and writing in the card and everything. But it's like, yeah, that just it's not connected. It's all like head knowledge out here in Oregon. I'll just tell you a little a little insight. We work near Intel, which is a, a massive um, what would you call that? Intel Corporation. It's like this big hardware company um, that manufactures. Electronics. Yeah. Electronics for computers and everything. Anyway, there's just a ton of engineers that, <laughs> that, that work there. And so like the, we, what we see a lot out here in Oregon is um, a bunch of engineer folks who have tons of head knowledge, but they're just not really connected and it's affecting themselves. They're like, you know, joy in life. It's affecting their relationships. It ultimately affects their job because they, it just sort of becomes rote and routine. 
I think those are probably some pretty fair descriptors of maybe what head knowledge is or what it might look like. Do you have anything else that you would like to add to that, Nathan, in terms of like what it looks like or how would you describe that? I think what I would like to add is that one of the main problems is that, and when you bring up the Intel engineer uh, person, is that knowledge makes sense. And so in trying to feel it out is not logical. Like these folks struggle with this because they're kind of on the other side um, of the spectrum in the way of like really intelligent, super left brained. They can't, you can't get a job at Intel without being really intelligent. It's not, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And let me just say for those of you out there listening, we've got two hemispheres of our brain, your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere. And just a very simplistic explanation would be your left hemisphere is your very logical, organized, even your language based side of your brain. And your right hemisphere is your more abstract, creative and experiential side of your brain where all of your senses might come through. Yeah. So the right brain is kind of, it's not that it's disorganized. It's more that it's the part of us. It's the, it's our, it's the way that we feel and experience life. And so you can get pretty divided because, um, knowledge does make sense, especially when it's true, you know, and, and quite frankly, organized and sequential. So we can put that data, if you will, life into us and, kind of just accept it because our right brain will accept it enough to go like, yeah, probably right. Um, But it doesn't feel it deeply. And it's hard for for some folks, for example, that are really left brain, which I think is why Aaron's bringing this up because of the kind of the nature of that, to go into the depth of it because they don't understand why that even matters. They've already agreed to it. Like, that's fine. I already know that this is a thing. But their family knows man, you don't, but you don't really get it. Like you, and, and I know you don't get it because there's all these things that you don't do and which they will say, so what? Like, you don't, you, you don't need any of those things. Or they'll say, oh, do, do you want me to start doing those things? Okay, I'll start doing it. And they'll make like a list of those things and they're <laughs> yeah. doing them. And you're like, but that's not the point. It's not just that you're doing them. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but I did. I've just started taking out the dog in the morning. I don't understand. I help you all the time. You said I don't help you. Now I'm helping you. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> I did this. Therefore, that's helpful. Logical. <laughs> right. So um, it's, it is hard to kind of get over it in that space. So we want to give you some ideas of, of how to do it, um, which honestly, as some of you out there can be like, this is exactly why I'm never going to therapy. Um, this is the foo-foo juice that I don't want to drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That whatever the foo drink is, that sounds terrible. Um, but I just want to add to there's another kind of an example that I like to give that I think a lot of people can really relate to, which is that that talks about this like head knowledge thing. It's like something bad happening, you know, like you're driving and somebody cuts you off or you're at a store and you're standing in line and then something happens. And it's just really aggravating. Um, maybe even now with like this COVID stuff. You know, you're like standing outside for something, you don't, you're the only one around, you don't have a mask on, there's nobody even there. And then, you know, the, the employee comes out to give you your food or whatever it is. And he's like, I'm not going to give you that until you put your mask on or something. And it's like, there's nobody here and you can just set it down and walk away, whatever, just something that's like kind of innocuous or whatever, but it really bothers you. It really gets to you. You can give an explanation of like, oh, he's just this following protocol. He's following, you know, social distancing guidelines. He's whatever. 
And that might be true. That might be logical. Somebody can explain to you, oh, well, this person might have just been having a bad day or they were just following procedure. But that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like what you experienced really matters. Like that was kind of rude or like whatever the feeling that you had in that moment was, that logic doesn't touch it. Because from this hemisphere perspective, that left brain logic does not touch or get to the right brain experience so that you feel felt or you feel like carried by the other person. I don't mean physically carried, but just like they really are carrying your experience with them. Yeah, you know, and the the funny thing, we've talked about uh, this kind of distinguishing between the left and right brain here. The reality is, though, is that the reason why you come to counseling, unless you are dragged in there with some of these some of the more left brain folks are actually physically dragged in is because your right brain is not feeling satiated or it's not feeling settled it's not feeling okay and there are times when your right brain will win even in a traumatic situation that really sucks your left brain will be able to go like xyz happened your right brain will meet will immediately go no we're not thinking about that that's not happening you don't get to think about that actually that feels so bad. It is so overwhelming over here on the right side. I'm going to say, nope, you don't get to, you don't even get to think that. And so now every time you try to like, well, and every time something comes up that reminds you of anything at all that was in the bad situation, your right brain goes, nope, we're not doing that. So it's, it's very powerful. And we're not saying that like one kind of necessarily dominates the other entirely. Yeah, and that's a really good example, too, because the disconnection that you're describing is like between your right brain, what we call your right hemisphere, your right brain, your left hemisphere, your left brain, for example. There's this disconnection now as though there are like two entities or two departments of one company, and they're no longer communicating well. They're no longer working well together. Whereas the one left brain part of you that's very logical is making sense of everything, everything's agreeing with it, the right brain's like, sure, yeah, whatever, go for it, go for it, go for it. All of a sudden now, that right brain department's like, we're going rogue, we're like feeling everything, and like, we cannot tolerate or we cannot cope with whatever is going on because it's just been backed up, it's been uh, accumulating and piling up, and now we just have to react to it. And now all of a sudden, your left brain doesn't know what to do with that. It's just grabbing all of the tools that it's been using and all of that logic just is no longer working, right? Because again, it's that left brain stuff that just does not satiate the right brain experience. And so that's a bit of like what it means to be disconnected and being connected, I guess just, we'll get into this a little bit more, but being more connected is where those two departments of the company are communicating they're being heard together and they're working well together. And maybe sometimes logic wins out, but at least your experience has been heard and felt. Or sometimes your experiential side wins out uh, and your logic gives way to that because that's what makes the most sense in this situation. Yeah, it, this whole thing um, at the end of the day, which where we're going with this requires basically you to defragment yourself. That's really what we're talking about. There's a bunch of the foo-foo juice I was mentioning earlier is the therapy behind that, the, like how you do that. And that's why oftentimes we get into feelings, we get in and we're focusing on how did you feel, when did you feel that, why do you feel that now, how do you feel as you just said that. And of course, it's been made fun of in Hollywood uh, big time. And I just thought of the uh, movie As Good As It Gets with uh, Jack Nicholson and he's the writer. 
And she's, this lady goes, man, you understand women so well. Just how do you, how do you write about women so well? And he's like, all I do is just remove all rational logic <laughs> and say the same thing I would anyway. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. I forgot about that line. That's a really good one. I said it wrong, but, but um, at any rate, you kind of get the point. And so part of that defragmentation process is you, you have to be willing to kind of just sit with yourself. And, and f- quite frankly, I will tell people to follow their intuition. And in short, what intuition is or what a gut feeling is, it's your entire life experience that your brain compiles in a second and, and just puts out there with an idea that doesn't seem to connect to anything. But the reality is it's taken into consideration your entire life experience which means it matters, and it did not come from a vacuum. And a lot of times folks with left brain just disqualify that right off the bat. I end up in conversations sometimes with these folks for a while saying, it matters, and when I, I've found that when I can share that it, you don't come from a vacuum, that makes sense to them. They'll be like, okay, well, that's true. It doesn't, it, I, that's not possible. And so then it becomes, I need you to go with your first thought. So how to do this on your own, maybe you're not in therapy or you, you're now you're convinced that you probably should be, um, that one idea of how to do this on your own, what I do actually, is I will, um, this is done late at night, typically in my garage, um, <laughs> I will stand up and I will speak from like whatever thought I just had. I'll actually say it all the way out and I will keep talking with that thought. And then as all of a sudden something else occurs to me, I will take a step into a direction of this new thought, and I'll just speak from that thought all the way out. And what's interesting is we're not, as people, we're not dumb and disconnected. So as I do that, I'm also at the same time observing what's going on. And some of those will start going farther than I ever thought. And I'll realize um, that is way more complicated. I have way more stuff about that than I would have ever thought. Yeah, as you're describing that, I just wanted to interject. There's a a really good book that talks about this. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, uh, K-A-H-N-E-M-A-N. And I listened to it on Audible. And it's a great book that's really talking about our brains having kind of like two systems. Put the whole left brain, right brain thing out of your mind for a second. And now think about it as though... When you think, you've got two systems. You've got system one and system two. System one is just constantly gathering information. It's just like a a massive observer. And it's kind of intuitively gathering information. And then system two is your logical side, or it's your logical um, system that is now making decisions, rational choices, based on all of the information that was gathered from system one. That's kind of the premise of the book. And the author is essentially saying that while system two may seem like you're more rational or you're more like you're better decision maker, actually it relies entirely on all of the information and observations from system one. So in other words, all of this like intuitive right brain experiential stuff, both that you're observing and experiencing and sensing right now. And also everything that you've ever been through, like you're describing, like all your past experiences that you've ever had are informing your observations and your senses and your experiences right now. And all of that is like happening in, you know, split seconds that your body, your mind, your senses are all gathering that information. And then you're like making decisions based off of that information. 
a lot of times what we're saying is the head knowledge is like kind of discounting that whole system one observational data, like, well, it's not rational, or it's disorganized, or it doesn't make any sense, or where did that come from, or how do I understand it, in order to kind of feel safer, or I don't know, in order to feel more um, logical, uh, like what I'm doing makes sense, and I can trust that people might operate more from a left brain standpoint and just be really logical. But Nathan, what you're talking about is essentially like ignoring that system to process for a while. It's like, we're not going to make any decisions. We're not going to be logical here for a second. Um, when I'll do this with people, it's kind of like the Freudian free association sort of a thing, except it's not like dolphins, paper cuts, <laughs> you know, sex with my mother kind of a thing. It's like, wow, bro, because <laughs> that's kind of what Freud is, is doing. But it's like, how do you know? He had some major issues. We'll just talk about that. Good ideas, a lot of problems. But his whole thing was like, you know, one thing connects to another, connects to another. And we actually now know through brain science that that's actually how things work, is that you can have one random thought that connects to a memory of something else, that connects to a feeling or, or whatever. And, and this whole network of neurons in your brain can seem very random, but actually it makes a lot of sense. Maybe it doesn't make logical sense in the sense that like it's um, like logic make sense from a left brain standpoint. But if you follow it like, oh, dolphins. And when I was in SeaWorld, you know, one time when I was a kid, I um, was staying at the hotel and I got my first paper cut and I really thought it was going to cut my finger off because it was bleeding so bad and then blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's like, oh, that connection actually makes sense. And so, Nathan, when you're describing this whole experience of getting into, uh, you know, almost just like what's happening for you right now. Don't try to make sense of it. Don't try to understand it. Just observe what's going on. Your body, your emotions, that whole system one thing will tell you a ton of information about what's going on for you that you had no idea was happening. Yeah. And so um, that paper cut example is a good one that I'm going to use here in a second. Circling back to how I'm in my garage, you know, walking around. The other thing that I'm also mindful of, just because of training, quite frankly, is that it's important that I understand that I'm a, a lovable person who, what my belief is loved by God, and that that needs to be true also. So what I'll run into inevitably <laughs> when I'm doing this is there's a part of me that's really critical, and we all have these critical um, parts of us that are in there like waiting to like rail on us. So if we tow back to the paper cut scenario, if I'm walking around in my, in my garage like, oh my gosh, that's right, that paper cut. And it was like, you should never have done that. You grabbed that paper and you knew better than that. Like when you, with the way you were holding that and you even had the thought, you know, that you shouldn't be dragging it across your hand like that. And, you know, I have to sit there and realize like, okay, um, but, you know, I'm still lovable. I'm an okay guy type of a thing. That needs to be in play at some point. Probably isn't right off the bat. But integrating, Aaron, what you're talking about when it comes to like the paper cut, if you avoid paper, for example, to this day, and you think that that's stupid and that's why you want to use your computer all the time, and you get back into like these thoughts as you're processing this, this data, quite frankly, of the right brain where you're just kind of intuitively following everything, and you realize that you have all this passion and hurt about a paper cut when you were eight years old because you thought it was cutting your finger off, and you now have reorganized huge pieces of your life because of that cut. And you, that realization all of a sudden becomes really logical, doesn't it? That 
from a meaning standpoint, it is no longer logical to do the things that you were doing when it came to avoiding like paper, which maybe you didn't even know you were actually avoiding. But it makes total sense from this experiential standpoint. And maybe even, you know, I always think about it when somebody says something like that and they're telling it to me, maybe they're, you know, 35 years old now talking about when they were eight years old. I'm looking at them as though they are eight years old and thinking, what did you need in that moment when you were eight? And the meaning you were making of this situation was, oh, no, I'm a horrible person. Or what was I thinking? You really needed somebody to help you kind of understand and organize that situation better around a new meaning, or even just to be aware that that was the meaning that you were making. Oh, did you, did you, little Nathan, did you feel like that was, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) it's a really serious situation, but (laughs) sometimes when I talk to little Nathan, (laughs) I just can't help myself. (laughs) Okay. But seriously, you know, you're eight years old. And we're looking at this gigantic meaning that's like, oh, did you think that, you know, if you did this, that, you know, you were a bad person? No, you were just exploring. You were just learning. You were trying something and you didn't realize how bad that would be. You're not a bad person. You know, that's a I mean, there's some logical explanation. But even inside of that, you might need some of the like body regulation, the comfort, the soothing of my tone of voice or even my hand on your back to experience that it's okay, like that logic cannot provide. It's just that being with you in that space and helping you to feel like, oh, it's okay. And when you can have that experience, then that right brain experiential stuff kind of soothes or gets calmed down and you can shift over into your left brain and now take in that logic, the new information, and reorganize it with this new information of like, oh, I'm not a bad person. I was just curious, or um, I just wanted to see what would happen, or I had no idea that it would even cut me, and I just was like, whatever I was doing. And that was just childhood innocence. As you were talking, I thought of a situation where my oldest daughter, who's now 16, um, she's probably listening to this for the first time, and she's 26. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was teaching her how to ride a bike, you know, so you're doing the dad thing. and. I let go of the bike as she's going. She's do, she's okay. But she starts to slow down and this this whole like wheel goes left. She doesn't have enough speed to keep going and just falls right over. But honestly, the way she hit looked bad and she immediately hits the ground, looks over at me, eyes wide, and I said, "Honey, that hurts. I'm sorry that happened. It's okay to cry." And immediately she just lost it. But it was like she was looking to organize all this pain that just happened and she didn't know what it was. And I mean, imagine if I would have said something like, get up, you're fine. It's all fine. Now she doesn't have the permission in her mind to be able to organize the feelings that are happening in that scenario, which is why, I mean, it's a, in some ways, a simple scenario. Your brain is an organ that is extremely complex. When you're told as you're growing up and and forming that, You're told ways to form it. That's what you're doing as a parent is you are forming these things as your kids are little. You you need to be able to give them the space to experience what it is that they're feeling, not just rationally, but also irrationally, quite frankly. Yeah. And if you remember at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned uh, one of the reasons why you should listen to this episode was because maybe you already know that you ignore yourself or you know that you have been ignored in your life. You know, you mentioned just now, Nathan, that uh, maybe your parent did not give you permission to feel certain ways, or maybe 
it was that you just were not paid attention to in this way. So maybe you did have permission to feel something, but nobody told you that that was supposed to happen. Because, you know, when you're a kid and you are going through life and you're just feeling stuff, it just happens and you move on. And if nobody's around to like be with you in that or to facilitate that process, then you don't ever have the like reflective experience, the mirroring experience from your parents that, oh, this is what I'm feeling or that I should be paying attention to my feelings. You know, families are just super logical and and uh, focusing on that side of things, then maybe they just kind of inadvertently ignore the emotional side. And it doesn't have to mean that anything intentionally harmful and malicious was happening. They just didn't know any better. But that damage is still there. The reality is, is what, what we're getting at here, and I think with all these different examples and trying to help you come on board with where we're going, is that you are very important. You are really all you've got inside of the mirror when you look there. You're the one moving around on this big rock, rotating and going around the sun every day. And there has been ways that, that the data in your brain has been organized both by you and by others. And to sit back and take, honestly, probably you should do it once a day, but let's just go with once a week and spend about 10 minutes just thinking, just honestly sitting there and allowing yourself to be totally irrational. Like in order to do that though, you need to be present. You need to be in the moment that you're in. Your mind will want to avoid this and will start giving you thoughts about all the things you're supposed to do, like the coming up tomorrow, all those kinds of things. Let those come in there and acknowledge that they're there and then go, okay, maybe one trick that I do if I'm sitting down is I'll, I'll rub my hands across the texture of whatever fabric of, of thing that I'm sitting on because it kind of helps your body. That's a, it's a trick to kind of help your body remember where you're at. Notice how your body feels in the cushion or whatever that you're sitting in. If you're standing up, notice how your feet are like compressed into the ground. And then kind of ask yourself again, what am, what am I noticing? What's going on? Just what's your first thought? Where, where is it going? How does that make you feel? Where do you think about that in your body? Oftentimes, we're kind of these detached heads floating around outside of our body all day long. And it gives you time to be able to, to integrate that stuff. And sometimes, I don't know about you, Aaron, but sometimes what I'll do is in bed at night, I will, I'll start this because I figure like, hey, it'll either slow me down and I'll fall asleep um, or I'll get something organized and feel better when I wake up. Yeah, absolutely. I think we talked about um, feeling settled within yourself. I think a lot of that is, is not just knowing stuff like, okay, this happened and this happened, or this is what I'm going to do. These are the things, the tasks that I need to do. But it's also, and I don't don't even want to use the word knowing. It's really more of just like understanding because that's kind of a deeper knowing. Uh, it's versus knowing about this is like knowing and understanding when you are with yourself in that way. And you are experiencing your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own body. And you're listening to how something like what happened and how it impacted you and you're just with those experiences that kind of understanding of seeing yourself makes a huge difference you know it's great it really is helpful and it's necessary because we're relational beings to have somebody else understand you and experience those things with you but if you don't even experience those things with yourself, then somebody else cannot experience them either. And that might contribute to that experience or that feeling of 
you kind of get it, but you don't, or something really kind of seems off. And this is frankly one of the reasons why you can have that, like, I'm supposed to feel something, but I've really just kind of shut it down and I'm not connected to those feelings. Uh, thing that we were talking about at the top of the episode, or the opposite, where you've stuffed things down and you're not connected to them until you're like, <laughs> your guard is down, and then they could just go wacky because they, you know, they got to be dealt with at some point or another. You can't just stuff them all away and expect them to not come up later on. They're like, you know, bills. Like you can put them in a drawer, it's still due, you know, which is gaining interest. So we hope that through listening to this, you just have a better sense of what it means to know and understand the things that you've experienced in your life, how they've impacted you, how you can process through them, just kind of on a, on a basic level and get in touch with what those experiences are so that you can become a more integrated person. Because when you can have experiences and be aware of those things and also at the same time use your logic to make rational decisions, when you're using both those systems of your brain at the same time, you're a more connected, more integrated, more whole, and also a more present person. You're going to experience life differently and experience yourself differently, and other people are going to experience you differently. I think this is kind of more like the the whole you that you know, that you enjoy, and that other people enjoy in you. Yeah, we really hope that you'll try some of this. And I totally realize that <laughs> I, yeah, the, the criticism sometimes that we get as therapists on the regular get kind of poked fun at is some of the stuff that we we're trying to share with you today as far as like getting in touch with your feelings and that. But I really hope that you've been able to see like there, there's a reason for this. And it's because you're so valuable. That's one of the things. Don't believe the lie that you're not valuable and that you're not important. I mean, it, it kind of happens out there here and there where it just goes on. And um, like you're going around your world and people don't treat you like you're important. And so then you just go, well, I'm not important. Um, and you just jump there. You are important and, and you can be confident. You can be, but you're going to have to actually go through a process of taking your own self seriously. However seriously you take yourself, and this is kind of what Aaron was just saying, is how seriously other people are going to take you. And just to end this, I want to say, and I say this to people all the time, you know, when they come in for therapy, I am trying to see you and I do see you and I want to show you what other people see in you so that you can have that same value for yourself. It's kind of like the working backwards of what we were talking about earlier in the episode. But it can take somebody else who sees you and cares about you and knows your value to then reflect that back to you so that you can see it and be like, wow, yeah, I do really like that about myself. So as therapists, that's that's our hope, our aim. We hope by listening to this episode, you get a sense of that for yourself and that you can work on that to really see how valuable you are. Thank you for listening to our episode. Thanks for subscribing to our podcast. Uh, if you have not already, um, go ahead and download some previous episodes. Leave us a review. We appreciate all of your feedback, all of your encouragement. Any ideas you would love to throw our way for us to talk about are really helpful because probably you're not the only one that's thinking about those things. So thanks for listening and we hope you have a great day. Yeah, have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course 
and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.